Flyrunner podcast sponsored by Flyro. Hello, human listener. The time has finally come in June 2020 to announce the robotic Flyro giveaway. Listen out throughout this podcast for the winner. Welcome everyone to the Skinny Jingana Podcast. I hope you are well. Come closer, dear listener. Come closer. Hope you are good, and I hope you've been enjoying the podcast. I've been really enjoying the podcast. I know it's my own podcast, of course, so I would say it's fantastic. But I'm not the only one. Brilliant. You see that? How I did that? Brilliant. Thanks, Dee. Well, I'm not the only one enjoying the podcast because some of you have been sending in. Your your amazing five-star reviews. Thanks very much. If you fancy giving it a five-star review, pause it right here. Give it a five-star review. Say something nice and then come back. Just We'll just wait for a second for them people as they um, go and do that. You been all right? Yeah, no, yeah, I've been, I've been all right. I'm not been too bad. Of course, if you're, if you're listening to me, me chat right now, then you've already gave us a five-star review, right? Good. Oh, and I'm wait. Yeah. Um, give it. I'll give him a couple more seconds. Oh, by the way, we we have uh, announcing the winner today. Winner on the podcast for uh, that Flymo robotic. What a prize, right? Ridiculous amount of entry. I'll be honest with you. Ridiculous amount coming. More, more than I can really. It's been like almost not a full time job. That's over exaggeration, but quite a few, quite a few entries. Let me tell you. And on, is that them coming back? It is. It's just that natural. Here we go. Right. Well done. Thank you. Well done. Thank you for doing that five star review. Here's one. We got through from <laughs> Chili Podder. There we go. Cheers, Chili Podder. Uh, Lee, aka the Skinny Jean Garner, has a lively and fun podcast. That is correct. He has great guests who always seem to enjoy the show. Uh, they they never complain. If they've been on the show, they've they've never complained. So thanks, Chili Podder. While Lee keeps a light banter, sure going, there are lots of gardening tips to pick up on along the way. Lee always plays. Some unique lo-fi jingles. Well, no doubt, more of them to come Chili Podder very soon. Uh, if you fancy giving it a review, cheers. Nice one, thanks so much. Also, big news before we get into it. Uh, we, once again, last year, top 20 podcast, garden podcast in the world. In the world. 2020, we got it, guys. We got... We top 20. So thank you. So actually, you only listen to it. Mainly, the hard work has been done by me. So, um, so thanks, me. Cheers. Uh, top twenty guys. Nice one. Thanks for all your support. Uh, in all seriousness. Right. Should we get into this podcast? We've got a great one today. We have Alan Allison. <laughs> top twenty. Allison McIntosh is on the show today. It's a great one. I'll tell you why after this. Wow, well, well, have I got an absolute treat of a podcast? We've, like I said earlier, we've had some amazing podcasts throughout this, some incredible guests, uh, and we've got loads more coming up over the next few weeks. We've had some great... Don't get me wrong, I always say we've got some incredible guests, but I know we've had some great ones before, and like, I'm not saying their ones are rubbish, I'm just saying that we are getting some great people on the podcast at the moment, real all about my niche, like, honestly... Kids gardening, we're getting so much great info, and today we cover so much. Alison is a gold award winning garden designer, and we hardly talk about it. We hardly, we do talk about it a little bit, but it's not 
you'd, it's not a major part of this convo because she's also a mum. Uh, she's also works for uh, and as an environment educator for Wigan Council. She's a farm visit coordinator for country. There's so many things she does. <laughs> They're all about getting kids in the garden. We get such a great view. Like, never have I done a podcast. <laughs> never have I done a podcast with one guest that shows so many, teacher, so many different angles to get kids gardening. One of the things, as uh, someone like really promotes getting kids into gardening, one of the things I try not to do is push our ideas, push my ideas onto, well, schools at the moment. Like, obviously, I did the 10,000 kids. Don't mention it too much, do I? The 10,000 kids in one week tour just before lockdown. Uh, and one of the things that I didn't want to do was say, hey, guys, this is how you should do it. This is this is the plan. Go and do it. There you go. Have it, teachers. And then the teachers be like, oh, well, thanks. Like, we've got no idea. With Alison... We have so many different angles that sees everyone's side of the story. You know, in an argument, like someone will always say, well, this is what happened. You go and speak to the other person, they say, no, 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 that's not what happened. This is what happened. Well, if you're trying to get kids into gardening, a teacher might think this is how you do it. The council might think this is how you're doing it. And some geezer going around in a gold sparkly jacket might think this is how you do it. Well, not with Alison. We cover it all. It's such a great podcast. I'm going to stop rambling on because it's such a great one. If you want to find Alison, uh, she's under Lancashire Lancashire Rose on the Twitter. So after this, if you think, oh, this is pretty good. We got a lot from this. Go say thanks. Go say thanks, mate. Um, right. I'm going to stop chatting. Let's get into it. Absolute corker. Hit that button. Cha, 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 cha. The garden chit chat. Cha, 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 cha. The garden chit chat. Hello. Hey, Alison, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. Yeah, thanks so much for coming for doing this because, um, like I said, I'm trying to get different people on that, um, that, that do gardening and stuff. You, you've not always been a gardener, have you? No, I've had a strange route to this. I know, yeah. I was, so, uh, I was looking at your, um, I was looking at your LinkedIn. <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> I've always been an outside outdoors person, and um, basically, I qualified as a teacher back in '96. Yeah. Uh, but then went after a couple of years straight into the IT industry. I worked for IBM, and I worked for them for 18 years. So I had a senior project management job there, where I looked after finances on large scale outsourcing deal. So, um, I, don't what, I don't know what any of that means, but it sounds big. <laughs> basically, very, very different to what I'm doing now. Um, I had my first child. He's just turning 13 next month. And just before I had Evan, I'd started a course two years earlier, actually, at my local college um, to do my RHS diploma, level two diploma in horticulture, because we'd inherited this house with this garden and I didn't know what to do, right. basically. So I thought I'd better go and learn. So I went to college and just thoroughly enjoyed it. Absolutely loved the course. And then I had Evan and life takes over and you, you've got to pay the bills and you carry on with your job as you do. Yeah. And then five years ago, I had the opportunity to look at taking a voluntary redundancy package. And I thought this is the perfect time for me. Um, I had two children by then who were both in primary school. So I took the opportunity to take a break, have a reset and a rethink about what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um mainly so that I could be properly part-time and look after the children. Um, whilst doing that, went back to Mayasco College again. So I'm, I'm, I'm bigging up Mayasco, but they're a fantastic institution. Went back and did their garden design diploma in a year. Right. Um, had the opportunity to be with my mum. Unfortunately, we lost my mum that year very suddenly with cancer. So um, it was one of those years a lot was happening. Um, but I think things happened for a reason. So I was off for a year, back at college, looking after mum. Um, and then I just had a really big thing. There's nothing like the death of your mum to make you think what's important in life. Yeah. And it, it with me. Um, and so I took time out. I started my own little business. I started off doing garden maintenance because I needed to learn. Yeah. So much doing that for three years. 
Um, and then with it started to do the odd garden design and that sort of carried on. It's never been a big project for me or a big business for me to do garden design work full time because the whole point of me doing this was being part time and being with my kids, basically. Yeah. Um, and then throughout the all, I've always been, even with IBM, I was a STEM ambassador. So if you know what that is, it's science, technology, engineering and maths. Right. Um, and it's taking people from the workplace into schools um, and teaching them through practical things, uh, science, technology, engineering and maths. So whereas within the IT world, I used to do it, we'd get a robot and make that robot move across the floor by programming and coding. Um Throughout it, I've carried on being a STEM ambassador, which is a brilliant thing because I've run school garden clubs um, throughout it all for the last you know, five years. I've stopped a couple of years ago because I got a job with Wigan Council. I could get paid for doing this. Um, and I'm a garden educator for them for two days a week. And I absolutely love it. It's oh, not wow. work to me. It's just fabulous. Um, they've let me run with all kinds of mad ideas. Um, <laughs> insane ideas like building a Christmas tree out of eco bricks. We built a garden last year at Southport Flower Show. All of the hard landscaping was from found materials. We had a tree bench that was built from 600 eco bricks. Um, we had a pergola that was built out of old decking. We had a big pallet wall. Um, we had a lorry tire pond and it won gold and it was built by volunteers. That's in the awesome. community or council officers, young and old alike. So um, I've had a fantastic time basically for the last two years doing that and, and garden designing and just working with kids. And anything to get children outdoors yeah. is just what I'm about, really. Oh, that's really cool. Um, so when, when you were doing, um, when you did like uh, gardening clubs before you, before you started doing the Wig, the Wigan Council stuff, was it a difficult thing to get into schools? It was quite difficult. Schools are very risk averse these days, very risk averse. I was at my daughter's primary school, so um, they were pretty pretty switched on to it, actually, to be fair. Um, I was going in, working um, with some nurture children during the day, and then I ran an after-school club for a little bit where we just asked for contributions towards materials. Um, that school has built its own forest school, so they're pretty oh, wow. switched on. They built it, I think, seven years ago. They started planting the trees. They've got the grounds to do it, Lee, so they're very, very lucky. Not every school is in that position. Mm. Um, and I go to many schools that are landlocked or they've only got a tarmac playground, for example, yeah. um, and they just cannot do that. Um, at the moment, the, the Waste Not Garden that we built last year at Southport has been relocated to the rugby club in our town because they have got a strip of land that they're going to make a community garden out of. And the thought behind that is, is that schools can come into that space and use it. So if they want to do some forest school sessions there, they can. Yeah. It's in the centre of town. There's plenty of parking for school minibuses. So we're trying to create spaces where if a school's not got the facility, we can bring the school to somewhere that has. Yeah, um, yeah it was difficult to get into schools. They're, very, they're quite risk averse. I did do risk assessments for, for every activity. I'm a trained teacher, so I've got that background. I can do a lesson plan. I can do a risk assessment. Not everybody who's been a gardener who wants to get into school will know where to start with that. No. Um, but, but the school should want to help you with it. Um, I mean, at the moment, we're, we're rewriting a lot of our risk assessments. We're transforming our services within the council because obviously I can't go into schools at the moment. No, exactly. We're still busy. So last Monday, for example, I did an online session. So I was like this in my home studio in the kitchen, <laughs> um, Zooming or Microsoft Teaming, I should say, to a school at the other side of Wigan, a primary school. And with Bubble 7, 10 children, we made 10 mini ponds. They made them. I made them. That's so cool. I dropped off the materials three days earlier, so there was no contamination on the materials. And then we made them using old tubs, plastic tubs, and we made 10 mini ponds that are now in the garden. So we are thinking about different ways of working, about reaching those children because the need is there. And actually, this is a fantastic opportunity. Yeah. You know. As dire as this crisis is, this is also a fantastic opportunity for our schools to rethink how they do things yeah, and to stop being so risk averse and start getting their children outdoors. And, and so what if it's raining? You know, put a jacket on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so true. So, um, I think it's actually given schools the time to plan for those activities. Yeah, I mean, quite a few, com have. Quite a few conversations I've been having recently with um, teachers and, and school and stuff is that they're going to look at more outdoor stuff just because of what's going on at the moment and obviously being outdoors is a lot safer than um than when everyone being in yeah. it, i suppose but like you say like if it's a bit of rain it shouldn't really matter too much should it 
No, no. I, I, they worry about wet ground and slipping and things like that. Well, um, another job I do. I sound really busy, don't I? You really do. Well, you're part-time. <laughs> I, work for, I work for a charity called the Country Trust. Yeah. And that charity is all about getting children from deprived areas out on farm visits. Right, okay. Getting them out of the countryside they wouldn't otherwise, you know, see. Um, obviously, those visits have had to stop at the moment. It's likely to be spring term before we do farm visits as we knew them. Um, again, um, we're working with those schools and, and the farmers um, to try and bring them together in, in all the ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, you know, the, the rain does not stop those visits ever. No. You know, because I have a bag of clothes with me that those children can dip into if they need to. So I've got spare sets of wellies, all contributed, thank goodness, from all my colleagues at work, and, and raincoats. And, you know, it not rain never stops play on those visits. So why should it when you're at school? No, exactly. Them, them sort of visits are really, like, and them sort of visits and what um, the rugby club garden are really important because one of the things that I've been doing kids' garden for... I don't know, maybe seven years now. And I can, you can get into a bit of a echo chamber where, like, oh, any any school can do gardening. And then I went on a tour in March just before this kicked off and went around the country visiting different schools. And never did I realise how many schools don't actually have the space to do some of this stuff. So actually being able to have a, an area where they can go and visit is, is so important. Yeah. And why can't schools lend their space to neighbouring schools? Yeah. So if you've got a school that's got fantastic outdoor space and down the road there's an old Victorian school that's only got a playground, a tarmac playground, why can't those kids come and share your space when you're not using it? Yeah. Definitely. We need to see all, and, and I come from Wigan Council, which has been very progressive in this and seeing everything as an asset base. Yeah. Um, asset based culture, um, which has grown in Wigan and has helped it survive the economic downturn. Um, and you know everything is seen as a community asset and so it should be mm-hmm. you know if a school for example has got an outdoor space they want to create a meditation garden which i'm helping a couple of schools with at the moment they'll get community funding but only if they open it up to the community oh that's interesting that's so you know they have to say well actually there's a yoga teacher who wants to come in on a wednesday with a mental health group yeah. and they would like to use the outdoor space when they can or we've got a community gardening group. I've done a little bit of work with Thrive, if you've heard of that charity. Yeah, I have, yeah. So fantastic charity, and I need to. I want to follow one of their programs, get fully qualified in it. Um, but yeah, we're looking at providing sessions at the, the the Warriors Garden, the Rugby Garden, Community Garden, and other spaces where we can bring groups in mm-hmm. and use that. It's an asset for the community. It's not just for that school. And actually, one of the best days I've had in the last two years is probably about this time last year, we were preparing for the garden. We were making the eco bricks. So we had a bit of a run on making eco bricks. We needed 600 of these things for the bench that I'd stupidly designed. Um, And so I was going around schools trying to get them. And I had some residents from a sheltered accommodation scheme um, who next door to them have a primary school. And they I'd gone in to help them with their garden because they're going through a lot of upheaval. The accommodation scheme was being rebuilt. and the People of that age, they don't want a lot of change and they were feeling really unsettled by it. So what we were trying to do was give them some control back and look at what they wanted in their garden space. And I was going around to try and advise them. I said, you know what, there's a real opportunity here. Let's bring the school next door in. They're with the teachers. We don't need, you know, safeguarding's not an issue. They're being supervised. We're all in the open. And it was just one of the best days. We had the weather, which helped. Yeah. We sat there and we made eco bricks. So we had a washing station, a drying station, a stuffing station, you know, and they all sat with the intergenerations, all sat together, mixed, having a chat, talking about what this means to them. They were talking about how plastic came about, you know, and and how those residents had seen a change in the amount of packaging that we've got. And that's why we've got this issue with so much plastic that we can't recycle, Mm, you know, and what are we going to do with it? Because although we can make things like eco bricks, that's not the answer, is it? You know, (laughs) not really. It's to say, and I said, well, have a a think about how did you used to buy your vegetables, you know, and talk to the older people because... You know, they never used to go to a supermarket, buy everything in a plastic bag and shrink wrapped. No, it. And it was great. It was just to see that interaction and the fact that they were outdoors. They were doing something together. So more of that, please. Yeah. More well, of that, you know. Well, that's, that's the thing. That's what, like, being outdoors and doing gardening and things like that for kids, 
um, people don't realise how much conversation can come off it and how much learning can come from that that sort of thing. Absolutely. I mean, I've just noticed even, you know, within lockdown, my two children have been at home. They haven't been to school at all. Um, and that's our choice. We can accommodate them at home. So they've been at home with us. Um, but, you know, we try to go out. We go for a walk. We're quite an outdoors family. The 12 year old who's just about to turn 13, the grumpy one who's just lent me the headset. <laughs> he'd rather be on this yeah, doing this, quite frankly, all day long. Um, so we go for a walk. Probably before COVID, I used to go for a walk at least once or twice a week during summer months, you know, big long walk, especially on a Sunday. We're out every night, more yeah. or less. Yeah. Um, and if we didn't, I think he'd atrophy, you know, <laughs> he's just got to be taken out and walk. But I know some families don't have that space to do that, you know. No. Uh, my hubby's been working from home during COVID. He's been fully employed. Thank God he hasn't lost his job, you know, he's working from home, but we've been able to do it and we've just made it really important. My daughter, on the other hand, loves being outdoors. So yeah. we have done things like we've got the grass verge down the road um, that has been let go because the council haven't been maintaining and tidying it. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, we've had the most gorgeous wildlife. I'll just show you this, Lee. So a few weeks ago, we went and took some flowers from the grass verge. I don't right. know if you can see that. I can just about. No. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I can see it. Yeah. 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 It's good. Yeah. This one's a bit better. Oh, yes. See that? That's cool. Yeah. I love that. So basically, we went and did, you know, that's our record of COVID. So yeah. we've gone. Uh, took, there was lots of wildflowers and they're not rare ones, promise. Um, <laughs> and we took them, did some flower pressing and that was her result last week. So she's done art projects like that. We've done videos for the council. We've made a hedgehog house. Brilliant. Um, we found an old ridge tile. Um, we've made, obviously, pots out of loo rolls. Um, one of the daftest things is I went into school to try and do an activity. Did you know that schools now won't let you use toilet roll inners? I have heard this a lot, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, um... And I'm like, we'll use gloves, let's wash our hands. But the other thing is, is the hand washing is actually going to help us as school gardeners. Yeah. Because it takes a lot of that risk away if you say, actually, the hand washing every 20 minutes anyway. Yeah. Let's exactly, not yeah. be too scared about using toilet roll in us. You know, they're there, let's use them. Yeah. It's, uh, I have heard that a lot. I've been to a few schools and I've done like, a little thing. They've gone, actually, we're not allowed to use it. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can use kitchen roll in us, yeah. but not toilet roll in us. <laughs> the world's gone mad, I know. Um, but yeah, we, we've done all kinds. We've obviously made the plant pots out of toilet rolls. We've done flower pressing, hedgehog house. Um, our wildlife trust. Lancashire Wildlife Trust have had 30 days wild in June this year. Oh, awesome. So it's all been making, you can make bird feeders out of cans. I've got a grapefruit sat over there that the hubby needs to eat very quickly uh, because we need the outer of it because that's going to be our next bird feeder. So it's all kinds of projects like that. But I know that we're, you know, this is my job, so I love it. Yeah. Um, but it's about reaching those children that don't get that opportunity. Um, yeah, and I think, you know, the way that you reach them is you make it endemic within school. Hello, human listener. I hope you are enjoying this podcast of the Skinny Jean Gardener podcast. I am here to announce the winner of the Flamo Robotic. We have had hundreds of entries, maybe too many, for my human owner to handle. But I have chosen just one winner for this amazing prize. The winner is Marie Smith from Instagram. Marie Smith, you will be contacted by my human owner. And your FOMO robotic will be on its way. Congratulations. 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 And thank you to FOMO podcast sponsor for supplying this incredible prize Marie Smith congratulations 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 on with the podcast one of the things because uh, we promote eco schools within our job at Wigan Council mm -hmm. um 
And one of the things I always say to schools is eco shouldn't be an additional topic. No. You know, it shouldn't be, you know, an extra burden on school. It should be endemic in every subject area that you teach. Yeah. There will be a way of teaching that topic outside. Do do you think um, there needs to be a bit more support for the actual teachers to... Because I've, I've said this about gardening, like I've, I've always said gardening should not be an actual subject, but at least be in all the other subjects. But what I always, I always hear from teachers is like, that's great, but we don't know nothing about gardening. Like, is there enough support for that sort of thing for the teachers? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I think there's a misconception that gardening is something very specialised. I've met it, I've met it because I'm fairly new to yeah. the business. Um you know, I'm perceived as, as probably, you know, I've got lots to learn. To me, I'll be learning till the day I die. I won't know everything about horticulture. I don't intend to, you know. Yeah. Um, you might see my garden design think, what on earth, you know. But <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I'm a, I'm a student, aren't we all? You know, yeah. and going into horticulture is quite a closed shop in a lot of ways. Yeah, I can Because good. people have been in it for generations, and that's how typically and traditionally you used to get into horticulture. Your dad was a gardener or was the head's groundsman, or, you know, it's generationally you got into it. My parents were in the army. I moved around a lot as a child. We never had a home with a garden, that no. we, you know. So I just didn't grow up well with a garden. I grew up with the outdoors, but I didn't grow up knowing a garden. I had to teach myself yeah. as I got older. Um and actually, I'm hoping that's changing a bit and that we're enticing new people into the industry, um, that it's not as frightening, um, that horticulture, I think, sort of almost ignore that word, that gardening, ignore that word. It's just being outdoors. It's being outside with nature. Yeah, it's really important. And that can be brought into every subject you teach. Yeah, 100%. I think maybe, maybe I think this whole being in lockdown... And I mean, I feel ridiculously lucky to even have a garden throughout this because I don't know what oh, I, yeah. I'd have done without it. But for for people that do have gardens and obviously have used them a lot more throughout this, I feel like maybe we're going to have a generation, and it's going to take some time coming through, depending on the age of kids, but a generation that will remember this time of being outdoors and being in the garden, <laughs> who will think about gardening as a career in the future. I hope so. I have been utterly staggered at the low level of wages in horticulture. I do not know, as a a main wage earner, if you were a head gardener, how you run a family on such a low wage. There are people out there with massive responsibility, managing teams of people who are earning 22, 23,000 a year and running a household on it. And it just, it staggers me, Lee. I could not afford now if I was dependent on my wage to work in horticulture. Hmm. Yeah, I suppose and that would be at a senior management level. I could not afford it. Yeah, because you've seen... And, and I don't know how you go on down south, but it's bad enough up north. You know, we've got cheaper living costs a bit up here. It depends where you live. I but I just don't know how you do it. Yeah, it's pretty similar all over the country, I think, on that sort of um, sort of thing. And I don't, I've never understood it. I don't, I don't know if it's the industry's fault or... Oh, I'm not sure. I just really don't know what it is. Like, I never knew about garden. Like, I didn't leave school and become a gardener. Um, I never even knew it could be a career, if I'm honest with you. It was always one of them things which I saw Nan and Grandad do. And I just thought it was just a hobby. I didn't. Even, I never even thought of it as a job. I just always thought, oh, it's just someone's hobby. So maybe, I don't know what, I don't know if it's the, the industry's I, fault. I don't know what that is. I think we've not placed enough value on growing. Yeah. Yeah. And how important that is. Uh, and isn't, isn't it being brought home right now? You know, we're about to leave the EU. Um, we've got the agriculture bill going through, which may open up our flood our market with food that isn't being grown to the same standards that we grow in this country, which I think is a massive issue mm-hmm. for us, for our children, for everybody concerned. We need to be concerned about that. We need to thank our farmers for what they're doing and understand the trials and tribulations. They have had a horrible spring and winter this year. Yeah. Horrible. They've gone floods, dry floods. How on earth you grow like that? I don't know. You know, Um 
So, you know, just seeing the farms around where we live, it's just been atrocious. They're getting back on track after all the rain we've just had, thank goodness, but yeah. it's not been the same for them. Um, but actually, getting children out and my work with the Country Trust very much does that, about them seeing seasons. And, you know, we don't just stick to spring and summer, they're out in winter as well, you know, and we go and see, you know, where food... Um, I was a vegetarian for 13 years, but that, that stopped about 20 years ago. I eat everything now, but I hope I eat responsibly. And I, I tell my children, you need to understand where your food comes from and you need to respect that somebody has grown that or that an animal has died for you to eat um, and how it's been brought up and what its welfare standards have been. And I'm really, you know, strong on that. Um, and I hope that we can get some education programs in. But again, it's not endemic within school. We stop teaching them people how to cook. Yeah. That's it. So. You know, we've had queues because McDonald's drive through has just been opened up. You know, got, you know, <laughs> other other catering facilities are available. Sure. But I just, people don't know how to cook. We, I go out and do food road shows quite a lot. Um, and one of the ones is I'll work with the caterers that work for our borough and they'll come out, they'll give free samples of soup. And then we get veg packs together to give to people so they can go home with a recipe card make the soup the old generation little old ladies coming up with the money can i buy it love oh lovely how nice was that can i have that yeah it's free by the way just take it my generation and younger mm-hmm. you know they're scared of a turnip it's it's ridiculous because they don't know what to do i can't blame them that's not me passing a judgment by the way no they haven't been taught to cook their parents haven't been taught to cook what hope have their children got yeah. And actually, if you don't understand how to cook fresh food, you're not going to want it. No, I've, I've, to be honest with you, I think we're in a, a, a bit of a scary situation in that sense because of technology and pe- and distraction. I always think technology, full stop, is a distraction. And yeah. that didn't used to be around back back in the day. Um, and now no one's got any time to do it. Like, no, everyone feels like, we have got time. Don't If we made time, we'd have time. But everyone wants stuff instantly yeah. and feels like... Oh, I've got a busy life. I've not got no time to do it. We all do have time. We've just got more distractions now that make. This is where I'm talking, though, that they've had more time because of COVID, and that hopefully we're seeing people who've said, "Actually, I can plan my meals for the week." Yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, I can look at actually which herbs do I use the most. So let's just just plant those. Let's just have parsley and basil and oregano you got those that's you know a whole raft of meals covered you know um and, and actually you don't need a garden for that the no. balcony will do a pot outside your front door will do you know um and i hope that that message is getting through i think it will get through to some it won't get through to all but we need government funded programs to get back into our schools to teach kids where the food's coming from how to grow it the country trust and um, do a scheme where they take a class year for a whole academic year they start in september they grow the food and then they, they eventually cook it and sell it off at a fair and then within that they have visits to several different farms to see where that food is commercially produced mm-hmm. yeah. you know i'd like to see that even rolled out like let's go to our food factories as well yeah exactly you know? do, you, do you know what and, program i really love Alison? is uh have you ever seen how how is it? I can't remember what it's called. No, is it right. Inside the Factory with yep. Greg Wallace? Yeah, there's another one that's called uh, on a random digital station called How It's Made. I love seeing oh, wow. how, like, it's basically exactly the same thing, but it, it shows how things, because you do, you pick stuff up in the supermarket, you don't really ever think, like, oh, I'm guilty of this. I don't think yeah. about how it's, where it's come from or how it's made. And I don't want that. I've got a five-year-old daughter and I don't want that for her. I, I want her to think a little bit more about where where we're getting this this food, especially like meats and stuff like that. She yeah. It blows her mind it's, sometimes when we tell her about it. <laughs> yeah, but, I know, I know. I mean, we use our local butcher. Um, it is more expensive, but do you know what? We've made a choice not to eat meat as much in this house, so yeah. when we do eat it, it's of a decent quality, and I know where it's come from. Yeah, that's, I think that's a real... Like, we've we've done the same with, like, roast dinners, going well off topic, roast dinners and stuff. We don't have meat with it, and it's we, I don't actually miss it as much. Like, no. my, it wasn't my... I'll be honest with you. It wasn't my idea. It's my wife's idea. But, <laughs> but I don't miss it massively. Um, but it is thinking about that sort of thing. I do think um, education and ch- and schools is the place to start with that that sort of thing. I think once you leave school and you get older, you do get into a bit of a 
a bit harder to change your mind on sort of certain things it is it's more difficult we've got a captive audience there yeah let's get to it i was speaking to a lady who's probably in her early 60s now and she's um a ta at a school and she wanted my services to come in and talk about a mindfulness garden that we're building at school or they want to um and we were just off topic and she's she's well bought into the idea of getting kids outside and she said you know what she said i was educated in the 70s when i was at primary school and she said i had this inspirational teacher and i said i saw him a few years ago to thank him for what he did for us because he took us outside this is a lady in her 60s yeah you know and she was remembering this to me and I was almost crying listening to her and she said you know I try and get our kids we're in a really deprived area where our school is I try and get our kids outside because this this teacher made a massive difference to me he said and he's actually made a massive difference to my children because it's how I've brought them up has been different because of him yeah because getting us outside not just not gardening even just getting them out for a walk in the woods um, he'd take the whole class out and he'd show them things and have discussions about what fresh water was and what, what supported wildlife and um, what plants there were, the different shaped leaves, all of that business and making art in the garden. Well before his time, really, if this was in the 70s, well before his time. And she said, you know, I saw him a few years and I'd say thank you so much because it wasn't just my life he changed. It was my children's, my grandchildren's, because they all go outdoors now they, they wouldn't have done had you not taken me out so I just think you know don't underestimate the change you can make you might not reach 90% of that class but if you reach 10% and make a change to that family you've done a good thing haven't you definitely 100% that and that sort of throws back to me like so I do a lot of work with brands and I, I, I always think it doesn't matter how much money you throw at this sort of stuff if you haven't got the teacher's support or involvement, then it, no, no, it doesn't work. But I think the teachers are so important to make make this happen and to, to support yeah. them in that sense as well. Yeah, I think we need to get into some of the educational authorities and talk about risk. Yeah. Because I think a big thing that puts schools off is risk and being sued. Yeah, we're in that sort I'm of being honest, now, I've been in the schools, you know, I'm a teacher and uh, I've been in the schools, I work with schools a lot. And it's, oh, what about if they did this? And what about, I'm not, um, training to be a forest school leader as well. I do sound really busy, don't <laughs> It's just ridiculous. <laughs> you said, when, you said, when you said you were part-time, you mean part-time of everything. Part-time <laughs> of everything, hopefully full-time mum yeah. for not listening. <laughs> that was the point. But yeah, I'm being trained to go through... Um, forest school leadership at the moment so um it's been postponed due to covid so hopefully in the autumn i'll do my level three course um but i can't wait to take that into school and just reassure schools that that they can do this stuff yeah you know that that we can allow a child to climb a tree occasionally you know that we can put a strap line up and you know if they fall off it's okay they can pick themselves up again (laughs) and yeah we'll let them play with knives yeah you know (laughs) just (laughs) Uh, and yeah we're gonna have a real life fire you know yeah. um and more of that please you know get that into our school spaces as much as we can we had um Stuart jackson was a forest school teacher he was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago and I've, I've known him a couple of years i've been to his school a few times and i remember really distinctly like um he let the children use a jigsaw in in the garden in the um playground i was like I stand there with the teacher. I was like, "Is this is this normal?" Like, yeah, of course. You've got to let them. You've got to let them um, have a go at these things and just, you know, be safe and just, you know, do it the right way. You not- do. I think if they're supervised, you know, and you're there, um, I think we've just got to let go a bit, really. Yeah. You know, I've been guilty of it when my children were young, just not letting them do anything, just scared stiff of them doing absolutely anything. Um, I've had to let go because they're not they're not bringing or oh, acquiring life skills. It's really easy, but it's really easy to say no in it as a parent. It is, <laughs> it's so it easy. is. But you know, it's restricting them. Yeah. You know, and they've got to learn to cut the knee occasionally. And That's it. It'll be fine. I've got scars on my knees from when I was twelve. You know, memories survive somehow. Memories. <laughs> 
it is. It is. So, yeah, I think we need to change this risk-averse culture, first and foremost. I think it comes from the top. Um, I think the ed- local education authorities need to get involved um, and whether that's, you know, they need to provide decent risk assessments and things like that. I think schools need to make a statement to the parents and to the communities and say, at this school, we do this. Mm. There is an element of risk in what we do. If yeah. you don't want your child to take part, that's fine. Or, you know, you need to find a, a different type of school. But our school, we do this and yeah. we feel it's really important. Definitely. 100% I think it's absolutely brilliant. Um, and, and also, one of the things I've, I've talked about a lot recently is... Um, to get kids gardening at home and get families gardening because I'm all about getting families gardening the school is that that epicentre of that that will then yeah. spread out to the family home so I think yeah the schools are are, um, are definitely important in the whole thing if you reach children you know they go home and they nag the parents basically <laughs> yeah. hopefully they nag them into submission um, that's our ploy with the recycling message let me tell you <laughs> <laughs> recycling more recycling right um but you know we need to we need to reach them and actually you, you they're already converted when you go into schools the children i work with are just fantastic they're amazing i just need them to tell the parents yeah. and get the parents doing the same things but we have messages back all the time from school said oh you know we've had this letter come back in or a child's come back in and said i've re-educated my mum miss and do you know what our black bin is half as full as it used to be and things like that you know it can work if it can work that way it can work with gardening um i think we suffered with a lot of our horticulture and gardens post-war um there was a need to control and gardens got very tidy and very controlled didn't Mm. they we had island beds and we had a plant then some bare soil then a plant then some lovely bare soil that you constantly weeded you know and it made it really time consuming we're now you know, with many generations later, we haven't got time to do it. Mm. My garden is probably messy compared to my lovely auntie and uncle who gardens, you know, our 70s, but it basically have bare soil and lots of, you know, it's high maintenance gardening. I don't design gardens like that. That is not how my garden is. It's very full. Yeah. Oh, I see. <laughs> Can't see the border. But, you know, it's a very fully planted border yeah. um, because, and I've got a thistle in there. And you know what? I've got some nettles as well right at the back. The green, I don't mind it. You know, um, people might look in horror at it, but for me, it's it's just beautiful. You yeah. know, like that hedgerow down the road that's full of wildflowers. I could have that in my garden easily, you know. And I think we need to take the fear factor out of it and say, do you know what? You can have your messy area. Please have your messy area. In fact, have more than one. <laughs> Um, and get your children in there. And I think that one of the ways I've really seen actually on this this lockdown is with my 10 year old is getting her into the garden. What's really helped is thinking about the creatures that it will attract. Yeah, definitely. So we were doing everything we were doing was for the bees. Yeah. Or we were doing something, it was for the hedgehogs. Or we were leaving water out, you know, for the hedgehogs. We've created another mini pond using a washing up tub. It's not massively, it's the size of this computer, you know, and we've just sunk it in the ground with some rocks and gravel, a gravel ramp, and we've got some pond weed from down the road. And, you know, it's still there. Luckily, it's been raining, so I haven't had to top it up. So I think the key to them then and then we'll go out into schools and say you know let's do a survey beforehand and then let's do another survey afterwards and we'll get the wildlife trust to come in and i think if you tackle it that way about nature rather than it being per se gardening and horticulture about it being an environment Mm -hmm. first and foremost i think you've got children and you've got you've got their families hopefully yeah and that's going to that's going to change um garden design for, forever then really isn't it like I say it's changing it already you've seen green in grey Britain from the RHS yeah. um, I was at RHS at Harlow Car so Father's Day treat um, I took him to Harlow Car oh, nice. <laughs> I thought it was a treat for it's not <laughs> he enjoyed it I think um, but we've been many times but you know they've got a fabulous front garden there yeah. um, where the driveway is not completely mortared in flags um, and that everything's sedum so you can drive over it yeah. you're not damaging it um, there's a bike rack it was just marvelous everything the walls were green living walls um and i just i'd love to see front gardens like that there's a lot of building development going on around me at the moment um and this is just unimaginative and you know there's another you know we could be here all day but basically we need george clark and the likes of him being heard yeah. um, and the rhs about changing forever you know 
how we garden and what a garden is um, and get rid of the term garden it's just an environment it's an outdoors space um, uh, you know people see them as outdoor rooms and that's absolutely fine have a space that's your outdoor living room by all means but please save a space for nature yeah 100% because if you're outdoors and you can't hear the bird song, what's the point? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it's all about nature. It's so important. People always ask me, how do you cut your lawn? Ha! Well, the simple answer is, well, uh, let me tell you. I fly more, fly more, fly more daily, fly more, fly more. Flamo with daily flamo, flamo, flamo with daily flamo, flamo, flamo in daily flamo, flamo, flamo in daily flamo, flamo, flamo in daily flamo, flamo. Oh, you're so good at talking. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I feel like it's the easiest interview I've ever had to do. <laughs> so... <laughs> Sorry. No, it's brilliant. Um, one thing uh, I quickly want to talk about is um, uh, how it's been setting up your own um, business. Yeah. And and also, I just quickly want to talk about your the. I think I know you've mentioned it really briefly, but your um, Southport Flower Show Garden. I just wanted to know how that was to design and build something like that. Okay. So setting up my own business, like I said, I was fortunate um, in that I took a redundancy package so I could take a bit of time out in order to get through college. See, obviously we had my mum's death uh, during that time. Um, And then I set up my own maintenance business. Um, If I was reliant on my income late, I'd have been back in IT. Yeah. Because I could not. I couldn't have afforded to survive. We still, we can't rely on my income. Mm, it's definitely a problem. If my hope didn't work, earlier, it, yeah. it just wouldn't work. Yeah. So I don't want to give false hope to people. No. Uh, you know, um, I did this predominantly so that I could work around my children. And I'm trying to find work that I love. Because I thought, said to myself, I remember having the conversation in my head saying, right, Alison, you're not working now to earn money as the main the main driver of why you're working. Hubby will disagree. He's probably laughing upstairs now. (laughs) Oh, brilliant. No one told me. Um, What? What? Um, But I thought, you know what? If if money isn't the main driver, then I've damn well got to enjoy it. Yeah, definitely. It's got to be something I feel passionate about. Not that I wasn't passionate about IT. I am passionate about everything I'm involved in. But to me, it wasn't wasn't in my heart and my soul. And I thought this has got to be something I feel passionate about. Um, and education I feel passionate about, outdoors I feel passionate about, then the environment I feel passionate about, and, and I'm hitting all three of those. I'm not hitting the bank balance very well. No, no. I'm totally honest. Yeah, but that's because I choose my hours around my children. That's what people do say about if, gardening, is that it's not about the money, it's about the about the passion and being out there but it should, it should you should it should come and but you really. should you should earn so you should earn some value from it you yeah. know it, I, I quickly realized even just doing the design work that if I wanted to make that work I would have to set up my own company absolutely be full-time mm. I would need to charge properly because people of a modest income don't see the value and god bless them but they don't see the value in a piece of paper they no. believe you're just producing a piece of paper. They don't realise I've spent four and a half days to get to that piece of paper. Yeah, that's it. Uh, I provide my clients with three or four drafts before we even get to the final design. Um, I then translate um, hand-drawn and surveys. It could take me half a day, a day and a half to survey a garden properly. Um, and then you have to translate that. I use an app um, or shoot gardening, um, and then I get someone else to do the 3D work for it. So it, it, I just realised it wasn't a money earner for me. Right. Um, I was doing it because I loved it. Um, I have been approached by other companies who want to do it, but I, I'm just reluctant because I like being at home three o'clock for my children coming home from school. So I think that, yes, if you're willing to go whole hog on it, you can make this work for you. But your clients will be in a certain income bracket if you want to be it for to be financially viable. All the large-scale garden design companies I see are working in very affluent areas. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's the that's the thing with that sort of thing. You know, 
you know I, I would love to get into designing more for communities authorities charities uh, because that's where my passions lay if I get delivering a message yeah. through a garden you know, um, so how did the Southport the flower show thing come about well, again, one of my madcap ideas and <laughs> my lovely manager at work indulged me once again. Um, so I'd made a Christmas tree out of eco bricks for the depot where we sit. So the depot where I sit in work when I go in, I've not been in um, when I'm not. I'm either in schools or I'm working from home and occasionally I go in the depot to pick up kit. It's the depot where all the bin men and all the bin lorries are. Right. It's where all the waste teams sit, all the recycling team. Um, and so it's quite a mixed place and it's it's quite industrial. It's an old um, an old Asda warehouse that they've been converted. So I thought I'll brighten this up. So I made a Christmas tree from Eco Bricks and um, everybody loved it, I think. <laughs> it was a bit of fun, you know. I'll send you a picture after the call. But yeah, we did that. And I thought, you know, we could take this further. I started doing Eco Brick sessions as an illustration to schools about how much plastic households consume. So I will give them two weeks notice and say we're going to have an eco brick session i'll say to the teacher can you get them to ask the families to bring in any unrecyclable plastic so all the soft plastics only and two liter pot bottles mm-hmm. and we'll just do it for two weeks you will only need two weeks i said oh will we get enough i went trust me you'll get enough you know and i arrive at school and there's literally a classroom full of bin bags of plastic and i say this is just your rubbish yeah can you imagine what this is like for the entire country in borough and none of this can be recycled, the bottles can, but the inside, the plastic can't be. It's a, There's nothing illustrates it as well as that. So we started making eco-bricks, and then I said, do you know what, I design gardens when I'm not here. What better way to illustrate what we do in Wigan in terms of reuse and recycling? And I, I said, but I want a strict message with it. You know, we, we, the planting will need to be bought in, I get that. I said, but I want it to be reused afterwards, and it has been. And I said, all the hard landscaping for me needs to be found within this borough mm-hmm. um, as a leftover from something or we're reusing it. I work in a depot, pallets, and, you know, they, they struggle to get rid of the pallets. So we had a pallet wall. Um, fleet transport is there as well. So they look after all the fleet. So they have loads of leftover tyres. So we had a lorry tyre oh, yeah. pond. Um, we had some concrete sets that were left over from a town centre paving job. So that was the main path in the garden. Um, we had old decking that they'd ripped out when they renovated some properties. We had wood everywhere of all different kinds. So we made picket fencing out of wood. We've got an amazing team. We've got people who are joiners, electricians, craftsmen, um, repairers. Um, we've got grounds maintenance team. So I was really, really lucky. Yeah. I had the ninth largest borough in the country, which we're going to is all of their expertise. We're also really, well, they're really switched on because they have volunteer days. So every full-time officer in the council has two days a year paid that they can devote to a volunteering activity. Oh, that's good. So I had, um, we had over 400 volunteer hours in building the garden itself. So you get three weeks to build at Southport. You've been to Southport, haven't you? I've not. That's you one go. of the shows I was meant to go have last year. Been? but I never went, oh. no. I've only seen it on social media, so... You need, to, you need to get up there. But basically, <laughs> you get three weeks to build your garden. So we arrived with lots of things pre-built. The bench was pre-built and slot in half when we put that around the tree afterwards. Um, and it was just fantastic. It was amazing. Um, I did have to laugh because I was um, surrounded by private landscapers, you know, individual <laughs> contractors who had like one or two people. And at one point, I think I had 14 council officers in yellow vests. Oh, wow. <laughs> hard hats. Having a safety briefing, a health and safety briefing before we started, whilst these guys either side of me were just bent double laughing, you know, and what on earth, Alison? But it was it was just a fantastic atmosphere to bring all those people together and to have had things pre-built. So I knew that that bench, you know, 24 of those bottles had been built by the residents of the, the sheltered accommodation yeah. and the children in the school next door. And I got them tickets. And one of the best experiences was my little old ladies from the residence um, of the, the, the sh- uh, sheltered accommodation coming and sitting on the bench they'd built at Southport Flower Show. I'm getting tingles oh. now <laughs> thinking about it. It was just the best thing ever um, to think it's been built by volunteers, by residents, by a community. 
Um, and no, it wasn't heavily landscaped in an outdoor room with sound systems and everything else that was going on all around me. Um, But all I can say is we had crowds every day and every part of that garden was translatable into something you can do at home. Yeah, that's the thing. Everything. I saw. I, you know, I looked at a picture of it. I've, I just know that if I if I came there, that would be the one garden that I'd remember. And I always think that uh, I think these show gardens are amazing. Don't get me wrong, but gardens like the one you did are always the garden that people go away and think I can do that myself. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's just like we had a wildflower mat. Um, um, and this year, this year's garden is designed and ready. It's just that Southport's been cancelled, obviously, due to COVID. So mm. it's going to sit there and hopefully next year we'll get it out there. Yeah. It's looking very much at the heritage. Uh, Wigan's quite um, a mining and mill town yeah. uh, and everything like that. And again, it won't be the outdoor room type of garden that lots of people want, but it'll be translatable and it will actually... You know, one thing I wanted to get over people and speaking to them lots at last year's flower show was how... You need to grow for your own your own environment. Though here in the northwest, we're very different to the southeast, for example. So I said, you know, the wildflower meadow that we got was a mat that was grown in Kent. So I said, whilst it might struggle up here during the winter months, yeah. um, we, we pepped it with plugs that will work, um, you know, perennial plugs. So we had some Rebecca and everything else that would die right down. I said, and I said, what happens to it in winter? And I said, well, you just strip it the back end of September, October. You let the seeds fall back into the ground for a couple of weeks and then you clear it off and I said and do you know what it might look a bit messy in winter <laughs> it might look like that I said and that's all right I said in fact I'd leave some seed heads on it and let them frost yeah. and it'd look beautiful I said but after that look and it, that that was the biggest thing was the wildflower meadow people couldn't get over how beautiful that was yeah. and amazing and I said well you know that if you want to cut your grass that it'll go like that you know, your grass has a seed head and, you know, it will look like that. Maybe not quite, but it will look something similar. Um, and just grow for your own environment in the northwest yeah. um, and things that we can do. Yeah, it's incredible. Well, I, well, if it is next year, then I'll definitely come to Southport and come and see it, Alison, all right? Oh, please do. Please do. We, You know, we're really excited about it. You know, um, totally understand why we can't go ahead this year. Um, but like I said, the biggest thing for me is just bringing a community together and translating something that from a garden people can do, even in a little way, in their own homes yeah. and in their own environment. You know, yeah. I, I was went going for a walk with my daughter and we, we stopped the council maintenance team. So she was highly embarrassed by the way. So, but I was like, hold, what are you doing? Because the verge where we got the flowers from, they yeah. were about to strim. Oh, no way. <laughs> I was like, stop, what are you doing? But we've been told to. I said, but why? <laughs> but why? And I said, right, you're going to leave a metre for me. Please do that. I said, because I'm coming back. And yeah. if I come back and you've stripped it, you're in big trouble. And they did. I've got a picture and I have tagged the council in. So, you know. <laughs> power of uh, social media um, they have left it but we need more voices like that we Definitely. need our children to stand up and say actually we don't like pretty and pristine and tidy all the time yeah. you know we need to change mindsets on this and how much money would that save the council they can go off and, and divert it into other things yeah you that's know? it that's it um, this has been such a great chat. <laughs> Thank you so Sorry, much. Sorry, I do go on. <laughs> no, it's been brilliant. We've got so much into this podcast that um, it's really good. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast with us. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I love talking about what I do, Lee, because I love what I do. Well, it's great. This, the, the reason I love doing this is because I meet so many passionate people that have so many great ideas, and I just, I just, that's why I love chatting on the podcast about people. So it's, it's good that um, that we got to chat. Good. All right. <laughs> Thanks so much, Alison. Cha 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 cha. And there, everyone, there you have it. Thank you so much, Alison, for being on the podcast. I had such a great time. I do you know them podcasts? You know them ones where I don't have to do a lot of talking. The person is so passionate. I've had a lot of them recently. You know I. So much, so much passion. I don't have to do hardly any work, and I get sucked into the conversation where I'm, I'm like taking mental notes. I'm thinking, yeah, this is brilliant. Like this is going to help me so much. Hopefully, from our conversation today from Alison, you too would have got some awesome information. Five star reviews only, if you fancy it. Uh, you too uh, would have took some value 
away from this podcast and that's what it's all about so hopefully you'll get out in the garden get the kids out there this weekend get amongst it and uh, just have some fun you know you know what it's about it's about creating those memories you know exactly what it's about um so look thank you so much thanks so much to addison well done marie smith nice one thank you so much for taking part thank you to everyone that's took part in that fly my robotic we'll probably do something very similar uh over the coming months uh we've got something uh with flymo that's going to be on this podcast in the coming weeks so look out for that something very exciting but yeah we'll chuck in some prizes like that because I, I, I know you guys really appreciate it so thanks so much to everyone that got involved with that uh we'll do something very soon uh but well done marie nice one nice one for taking part right that's it for me this week. Thank you so much to everyone. Thank you so much for all your reviews. Thank you so much, uh, Top 20, for getting us there, guys. Top 20 Garden Podcast in the world of 2020. It's a nice one. Uh, right, and I shall speak to you. You know, you know, you know. Look after yourself. Look after that family. But most of all, look after that garden. Migration. Podcast sponsored by Flyro.